you know, a light bulb popped onto my brain. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fascinating and fun if we had the online audience decide who they thought was the fattest bear? Tonight on the KRBD Evening Report. Three mariners were rescued from a burning boat near Ward Cove on Friday. Fairbanks researchers are exploring new ways to find water that could help future interplanetary explorers. And it's Fat Bear Week at Katmai National Park. Those stories and more coming up. First, let's take a look at the weather. Tonight, it'll be clear with lows in the mid-30s and north winds to 15 miles an hour. Annette and Metlakatla could see isolated rain showers. Tuesday, it'll be mostly clear with highs around 50 and northwest winds to 10 miles an hour. Tuesday night, it'll be partly cloudy with lows in the mid-30s and light winds. Wednesday, it'll be cloudy with highs around 50 and light winds. Cassan and Thorn Bay have a chance of rain. Wednesday night, it'll be cloudy with lows around 40 and southeast winds to 10 miles an hour. You're listening to the KRBD Evening Report. I'm your host, Eric Stone. Three boaters are reportedly safe following a Friday rescue from a burning boat in Ward Cove. The U.S. Coast Guard and Ketchikan Fire Department dispatched boats shortly before 5 p.m. Friday following reports that the 40-foot recreational boat Fjord was ablaze with people aboard. Authorities found that the three mariners and a member of the Harbor Master's Office had the fire under control. Firefighters took the boaters to shore while the Coast Guard towed the still-burning vessel to a dock on Ward Cove where the fire department finally extinguished the fire. There were no injuries reported. We have a quick correction to a story that aired Friday evening and this morning over a proposed rezoning application before Ketchikan's Planning Commission. KRBD incorrectly reported that the borough's Planning Commission had recommended rezoning the property at 25 Potter Road. In fact, the Planning Commission had voted against rezoning the property. The recommendation to approve the rezoning had actually come from the borough's Planning Department staff. But the commission didn't follow staff's recommendations and voted against the application. KRBD regrets the error. For humans to live on another planet, they need to find water. Subterranean ice is a potential source, and as KUAC's Dan Bross reports from Fairbanks, a unique underground research facility north of Fairbanks provides a venue to practice ice-locating techniques. The Army Corps of Engineers Cold Regions Research and Engineering Laboratory Permafrost Tunnel near Fox has long provided a unique window into the frozen underground. The tunnel's walls display wedges and plates of ice intermixed with silty soils accumulated over tens of thousands of years. It's an environment which has application to the search for subsurface ice on other worlds. Like the moon or Mars. Anna Wagner with the Coal Regions Research and Engineering Lab says the permafrost tunnel will be the venue for a new NASA-funded project. Looking at using different types of drill equipment, going with a rover and take samples, and then looking at uh, the water content in the, in the tunnels to see if it would work at more remote locations. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm super excited about that. The permafrost tunnel was first excavated in the 1960s for Cold War era experiments on the protective qualities of frozen ground. Since then, tunnel manager Gary Larson says the mission has broadened and the tunnel is in the process of being expanded to surround a block of frozen soil with a specific objective in mind. To be able to thoroughly characterize a three-dimensional block of permafrost. Larson says the tunnel will enable ground-truthing of data collected by remote sensing tools on the surface. Really, the, the, the goal, like from a research standpoint, is let's find a technology, let's develop a technology that can accurately 
precisely at high resolution map what is underground. The technologies have very practical applications for building on and in frozen soils, but could also potentially be used to find ice on another planet. At the Permafrost Tunnel in Fox, I'm Dan Bross. With the impending closure of Sitka's only boatyard, there's motivation to build a large boat haul out at the community's industrial park. But there's not enough money to do anything about it. New and returning board members at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park took a walking tour of the site in mid-September and spent much of their time on the site of a proposed marine haulout and boatyard. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. Sitka's lone commercial boatyard has given notice that it will close in around two years. Gary Paxton Industrial Park Executive Director Gary White would like to make headway toward a publicly owned yard, and he's got everything pinpointed but the cash. Here's an excerpt of his remarks during the board's tour. To do this whole deal, to put in this this ramp and to, to put concrete in it and up here put a water treatment facility and a, a washdown pad and to put all the utilities across the street, to water and sewer, and then put a, uh, put a, 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 a float out there to help the boats get lined up to come in and to buy a piece of equipment to haul out the boats was about 6.8 million bucks, which which we don't have any. So what we did is the board pivoted to look at it in a phase development. And the phases are first, you know, we need to look at the biggest liability of the city is treating the water. So that's the first phase. Phase two is how to capture the water. Phase three is to get cement down here so we don't get people stuck. Phase four is to go up and put the utilities up there Phase five is the float, and phase six is the piece of equipment, which we're hoping that once we start moving through these phases, if we can find the capital to do so, that private industry would like to come in and help us participate here and get this thing up and running, because I'm sure the board has heard that the existing haul-out has given us a date of about two years before they... Uh, potentially will no longer be in public operation. That's Gary Paxton Industrial Park Director Gary White on the site of a proposed marine haulout and boatyard in Sitka. The existing gravel ramp was constructed by Northline Seafoods to haul out its processing barge on huge inflated rollers. White said that if Sitka moved ahead with the plans, it would be one of very few locations where someone could haul out a barge and work on it and meet modern environmental standards for washdown water. There's also land set aside for working on many other vessels of all sizes in the boatyard. KCAW confirmed with Halibut Point Marine owner Chris McGraw that he does plan only another two years or so of operation, but he set no drop-dead date. McGraw also runs Sitka's only private cruise dock at the same location. He said that closure of his marine service business will be tied to future cruise scheduling. Halibut Point Marine uses an 88-ton travel lift capable of hauling all but the largest of Sitka's commercial and recreational fleet. When business ends there, the next closest haul-out in that range is in Wrangell, which operates travel lifts of 300 and 150 tons, as well as a 40-ton trailer. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. As elections wrap up around the state, a more whimsical type of voting started last week. A dozen brown bears in Katmai National Park are competing for the title of fattest bear during the park's annual Fat Bear Week. Kavitha George with Alaska's Energy Desk has more on how rangers are using 3D imaging to find out precisely who's the fattest. It started out as Fat Bear Tuesday. 
Former Ranger Mike Fitz noticed a Facebook comment marveling at a brown bear's summer weight gain, and... You know, a light bulb popped onto my brain, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fascinating and fun if we had the online audience decide who they thought was the fattest bear? Five years later, it's expanded into a week-long March Madness-style bracket, with thousands of people around the globe weighing in to crown one hefty bear the winner. Summer bear cams hosted by Explore.org attract 19 million viewers from around the world, and day one of the bracket saw more than 13,000 voters. Fitz says the wildly popular competition has helped put Katmai on the map and highlight the need to protect the bear's habitat. Brown bears on Katmai's Brooks River spend all summer bulking up on sockeye in preparation for winter. Some end up over a thousand pounds, and many yearlings can literally double in size, according to Katmai Conservancy media ranger Naomi Boak. She helped pick the contenders this year. It's an equal opportunity competition. It's it's not just the gigantic boars that are in this competition, but the single sows and the sows with cubs and uh, spring cubs and subadults and yearlings. Last year's infamous winner, a half-ton sow named Beadnose, hasn't shown up around Brooks River this year. Or as Boke puts it, She has declined to participate. But Boke says other well-known contenders are looking promising. We have a sow, 435 Holly, who looks like the Michelin Man. She has been nonstop snorkeling for the last month that I've seen her. And she is huge. And she is definitely a top contender. That's not to say that Holly doesn't have some weighty competition. Bear 480 Otis, who is perhaps our most famous bear, he's won this competition twice. He's competitive. He is the hardest working bear on the Brooks River. More so than Holly? Um, I'd say more so than Holly. I mean, he's, I don't know. I mean, I'd say they're equally diligent in their work in getting fat. Like always, the ultimate winner will be decided by popular opinion. But this year, rangers are bringing in scientists to find out who's actually the fattest. Joel Cusick is a geographic information system specialist with the National Park Service. He's used to surveying parks buildings and archaeological sites, but on an assignment in Katmai this summer, thought, why not bears? Cusick's scanner bounces laser beams off the bears to determine their volumes. The tricky part, he says, is finding one that will stay still long enough to get an accurate reading. A scanner has to pass uh, by the bear several times, if not hundreds of times, and paint the bear with points of light laser returns. It requires about 16 seconds to pull this off on a very fast scanner. With the help of bear biologists familiar with the animal's body compositions, Cusick used the volume measurements to estimate weights. He's not pretending that the findings are perfect, but his report says they're accurate within about 50 pounds. In any case, it's far easier than the traditional method of darting a bear with a tranquilizer and stringing it up to clock its weight. The ideal situation, get this giant scale put out there, have the bear stand on the scale and scan them. Yeah. That, didn't, that, that opportunity did not arise, no. <laughs> this is the first season the park has done 3D bear scans, but Cusick says it could be used in the future to compare spring and fall weights, indicators of the bear's overall health. Cusick has sworn to secrecy on the weights of this year's contenders until Tuesday when the winner of Fat Bear Week is announced. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Kavitha George. The Alaska Superior Court has temporarily blocked the Dunleavy administration from implementing a new rule affecting the state's public sector union.
The move is a victory for union groups that say the state is overreaching in its interpretation of the law in an effort to weaken unions. At issue is Attorney General Kevin Clarkson's recent announcement that the state will pursue an aggressive interpretation of the U.S. Supreme Court's Janus decision from last year. The case was a major blow to public sector unions nationwide, ruling that employees who do not want to be part of a union can opt out and pay no dues. In August, Clarkson issued an opinion that went a step further, saying that public sector unions cannot be trusted to inform employees of their rights to opt out, and therefore the state should be in charge of handling union membership and dues. In its ruling, the Superior Court's 3rd Judicial District agreed with the Alaska State Employees Association that the rule change means serious harm for the organization, and it issued a temporary restraining order against the state's proposed changes. The ruling also criticizes some of the rationale in the state's argument about why the changes are necessary. The order means the status quo in the state's relationship with the union is maintained until the litigation moves forward. That's it for this edition of the KRBD Evening Report. Hey, you can now get the KRBD Evening Report as a podcast. You can find us on the iTunes Store, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we should be there. Just search for KRBD Evening Report. Thanks so much for listening. I've been your host, Eric Stone.